And what that tells me is that if I am not active in telling other people about the love of Christ, which is often a place of just obedience and courage, that if I'm not doing that, I will miss knowing parts of who the Lord is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because I'm not being obedient to that. So it it actually opens up deeper understanding of who He is by me cooperating with and obeying that command to be active in sharing my faith. Welcome to Be One Make One, a discipleship podcast. This is a show where we share stories and tools to equip everyday followers of Jesus to make disciples. On every episode, I have a conversation with someone whose life reflects Jesus' command to go and make disciples. Obedience can often feel like a burden, yet God's Word says that His commands are not burdensome. What do we do when obeying God seems more like a duty instead of something that we enjoy? This week, I talk with my friend Lindy about obedience. So today we want to talk a little bit more about obedience as a Christian and how obedience um, is a part of discipleship and living the Christian life. Um, I, I do feel that culturally, I think there's been a huge shift to, in some ways, hyper grace. Like nothing that you do is that important or you're saved by grace, so you can kind of do whatever you want. So talking about obedience can sometimes feel really legalistic. Like it's all about the behavior and nothing else. So how do you, yeah, how do we talk about obedience without being in that legalistic camp? Yes. Well, I, I love comparing it, Ethan, to a, a, a relationship of a parent with a child. Um, we, we have three adult children, and they have given us um, 12 grandchildren, so we've been watching this in living action. But when children are really, really small, you want to obey, you want them to obey you primarily for their protection. Um, you want them to do what you say so that they can develop healthy patterns that will eventually enable them to grow up into a mature adult. And you want them to do what you say, not because you're mean and rageful, but because you have deep longings for them to grow up, to reflect the love that you share as a family, the love you have for them as a parent, and that love rippling out to one day having a family of their own, Lord willing. So it, I think it troubles me sometimes when obedience is reduced to actions and it's not core and central, core and centrally described as a love relationship. I love my children so much that I literally would lay my life down for them, and I know they would for their children, which is exactly what Jesus himself did. He, as the Son of God, the Father sacrificed his Son so that we could come into relationship with him. So my responses to him are a response to his love not to a set of rules. That really changes my perspective. Um, John 14, 21, if I could just put this in, I memorized this as a freshman in college and it transformed my thinking on obedience because it says, he who has my commands, meaning the scriptures, and obeys them, he is the one, he or she is the one that loves me. Jesus is speaking. And the one who loves me that one and obeys my commands, it literally said Jesus will reveal more and more of himself. So actually, 
it's a means, obedience is a means to actually knowing the heart and love of God. Yeah, I really appreciate that verse as well um, because I think it, I love that it doesn't say he who has my commands and does them perfectly uh-huh. is the one who loves me. But the one who loves him has them and keeps them. Mm-hmm. So I love that love comes first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's, it's, you can't truly, I think, obey God if you don't love him. Mm-hmm. You can try to do the right things, do the Bible things without love. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is where it can kind of get into more legalistic territory. But, yeah, I think it, is, it has been important for me to think about, man, I, if I really love God, and I do, obedience really is a little bit more, I don't know, it's simple. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't I if mm-hmm. I really believed? I remember um, Jim Downing used to say, um, he said, you know, I've, I, he, he, I heard him in a, he was visiting our campus and he said, we, uh, I, I obey because I want the best life possible. I've tried everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been, he, he was alive for so long. Mm-hmm. He was like, obedience is where I feel the most um, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, that may even sound selfish to say that like I'm motivated by having the, or wanting the best life, but mm-hmm. that's where it's found. And that was also a big kind of paradigm shift of like, oh, maybe obedience really does lead to a mm-hmm. full life, <laughs> not a limited life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really love that. I wonder if underneath that, that if you don't believe that he loves you, then it's difficult to have a love relationship. Mm -hmm. Love makes us do crazy things. When I was falling in love with Vic, I mean, you know, sleepless nights, you know, either thinking about him or, um, you know, staying out later than we should, those kinds of things. I mean, you would do anything in the name of love. love. Love really does make you radically crazy sometimes. And so I think when we get confused or mixed up on motive and legalism, it's often because we don't understand the depth of his love for us. And that is a a lifelong pursuit of going deeper and deeper in intimacy and a love relationship. Yeah. So how how would you say that one can grow in deepening that understanding of God's love for them? Yes. um, I don't think there is any one size fits all. Um, But as you grow in your awareness of what lights you up, in a relationship with Christ, oftentimes those are the very means or places or where you may be able to go deeper in understanding of the love of God. So for example, um, I love worship music. And so to listen to songs that specifically focus on the love of God and allow the words to become woven into my emotions and my heart is something that is ministered to me. Doing a Bible study on the love of God and picking out your five favorite verses on the love of God and then reflecting on those for long enough that you they literally become woven in your being. So you almost quit asking a question, do you love me, Lord? And, and your questions begin to shift of how can I see your love in this difficult situation? What do you want to say to me for, from your heart of love that I believe and trust? 
how how do you want to open my eyes to your kindness, your goodness, your generosity in this particular situation? And it becomes more conversational. So I think paying attention to yourself in that and understanding what lights you up and grabs your attention. Sometimes it's just hearing someone else's story. So being a good question asker, asking someone, so how have you grown in believing that God loves you. Without that, I think it's very difficult to walk in obedience to him because why would you obey someone who is not for you and who doesn't care for you? That would be very difficult. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I feel a a way that's really helped me is I love reading the Psalms. And I also love like camping out in one for like a week, you know, and I'll just slowly... Um, memorize, memorize it, meditate on it daily. And yeah, that I think aligns my, my mind, my heart, because I, I think in my mind, I, I'm a very visual, imaginative person. So as I'm reading books, as I'm, I'll like, if I miss a detail of the background, I'll go and find it. That way I have the right picture in my mind as I'm reading. And I think it's the same with scripture for me is I, I like to imagine what it's like for the psalmist when he says, you know, um, um, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. I'm like, what are the courts of the Lord like? <laughs> you know, and try to imagine that and think about that. Would I long for that, you know? And why don't I if I don't? And then that kind of meditation really does um, help me kind of get to that place of, okay, God, I think you really do. I also love reading books um, that people have written about um, Christian topics and and passages and so I love reading and getting my my mind really wrapped around tough ideas and topics and letting God just speak to me about. Yeah. Um, I think, but I think more recently, what I've really came to appreciate is silence. Mm. Although it's, it can be, I remember last year I started with, I would set a timer for two minutes, and just be like, okay, I'm going to just stay silent and be aware that God is with me for two minutes at the beginning of every time with God or whatever, and I would increase a minute every week. <laughs> I think I got to like 10 and I was like, wow, I could actually do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, but you're right. I think there's seasons. It's it's different. We can Mm -hmm. experiment and that's kind of fun, right? That's kind of part of a relationship is figuring out, you know, what makes me feel loved and cared for in a friendship and how much more God who wants to show his love eagerly is willing to meet us where we're at. Yes. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So this, this picture of obedience from a relationship of love I think is beautiful and amazing. But what do we do then when we come to a season or a a time when we don't necessarily feel Hmm. God's love so deeply? How do we, yeah, how do we stay faithful in obedience or do we wait for the emotions to to come back or do we, yeah, what's what's that like for you? Yes. Well, I I think it's, it would be um, a kind of a no brainer to say who feels this passionate, exuberant, all desire focused in a joy-filled direction all the time. That I trust that when we see Jesus face-to-face in heaven, that that will be our experience. But this side of glory, it that can't be our everyday experience. So I think there has to be a level, there's a, a balance and a healthy tension between doing the right thing and 
trusting God to bring emotions along um, in line with choosing to do the right thing. So because I don't feel like spending time with someone, we could put Jesus in that category. If I don't feel like spending time with someone, doesn't necessarily mean I shouldn't. So I think one of the things that has helped me is um, building an expectancy that um, having walked with Jesus for this many decades, that if I continue to seek him, he will let me find him. That is a promise. It is woven through the whole of scripture from beginning to end. The one who's hungry for God, God will nourish him. The one who is thirsty for God, God will give them what they need to drink. I think one of the issues comes when I decide how I want that to be made real to me. So um, when I define it, I can often be disappointed. If I remain more open, open-handed, then and allow the Lord to ignite or to bring emotions into play in the areas that he's asking me to be obedient to, it goes better with me. Often obedience is harder when we feel as though either it's going to make us weird, bizarre, or unacceptable to others. Mm -hmm. And so therefore there's an emotional withdrawal or an, um, a block in my own heart to that. Because who wants to be weird? <laughs> I don't want to be weird. Um, you know Mike Jordahl says, if it seems weird, it probably is weird. Right. Don't be weird. Um, so we don't want to be weird. However, on the other side, I think sometimes it's hard and we resist and don't have the emotional response simply because we really don't want to cooperate with his ways. Yeah. And I, that is a, a place where I think the silence that you were just referring to, sitting in silence enables God to weave his, his um, light into the deepest parts of me to see why do I why do I not want to follow through or do what he said? It may be simply spending time with him or it may be a concrete action that he wants me to carry forward. And there there often is more to the story um, than what meets the eye in my own resistance or my lack of desire and being willing to let the Holy Spirit shine his light deep inside of me. It gives me an opportunity to cooperate with what God sees. Because what I want, what I see, how can that fully be the same as God's? He has a different perspective. Right. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to, um, I think there's a, there's a scripture in First John that John's talking about um, obedience, and he says his commands aren't burdensome. Mm -hmm. So I think what I hear you saying is his commands can feel burdensome when we're maybe afraid of people's expectations or what they might think about us. Or if we have a, if, if we're letting ourselves decide how God should work or what he should do or how he should interact with me, then yeah, that I think will, will, will make obedience feel like a burden. Yeah. If we're getting, if, if I'm deciding how it should be and what I should get from it and how God should, should present himself, then yeah, it will feel like a burden if I'm expecting my way when he's really, we're doing something different. Yeah. I, have a, I have an example of a very a verse that God has used over and over. It's Philemon 6. There's only one chapter in Philemon, so <laughs> there's, it doesn't have a chapter number. And it says in um, the New International Version, I pray that this is Paul praying. Um, I pray that you may be 
active in sharing your faith, which is great. We want to be active in sharing our faith. But then the verse goes on to say, I pray you may be active in sharing your faith so that you may know every good thing that is yours in Christ Jesus. And what that tells me is that if I am not active in telling other people about the love of Christ, which is often a place of just obedience and courage, that if I'm not doing that, I will miss knowing parts of who the Lord is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because I'm not being obedient to that. So it it actually opens up deeper understanding of who He is by me cooperating with and obeying that command to be active in sharing my faith. Yeah, I love that, actually, because there is kind of like coming back to that John 14, 21 verse, it is when there is when there is obedience, when I when I do share my faith with people, you know, people who aren't Christians, who people who are Christians, you know, there is an experience of God, I think, that's deeply spiritual, internal, you can't quite can't quite explain, but you do yes. feel a sense of, of his closeness in those times for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of moves moves me into thinking about, okay, whenever we are in a relationship where we're investing in someone's life, discipling them, trying to to share God's love with them, um, how do you... Yeah, how do you balance grace and truth with someone? If, mm-hmm. if you've asked them, are you looking at a scripture like, hey... It's clear that we should be doing X, Y, Z. We've talked about this, you know, this is the fifth, sixth time, you know, what's going on. How do you balance grace and truth there? Yes. Well, that that is a, we could talk for multiple <laughs> days on that question. Um, and I think you're getting to a, a just the heart of um, what does it actually, um, what is motivating me? in all of this. So I'd like to kind of pull that apart just a little bit. So um, let me go back to the example of our kids. So when, if our kids, when they were very young teenagers, um, if they disobeyed us, it never, they never stopped being either our son or daughter. And I think we need to hold on to that. That would be kind of this first part. Because we choose to not do the things that honor the Lord or are specific things he's commanded, doesn't mean I stop being his child. We know that he said when when you are brought in, when he holds you in his hand, you're yours, you are his forever. So my day in and day out choices don't change the fact that I am a daughter of the King of Kings. However, it can impact the joy and experience of my relationship with him. So those are two very different things. My in and day in and day out obediences and my experiences, again, they don't change the reality that I am loved. Just like if I do something wrong as a kid, it doesn't change the fact that I belong to my parents. So that would be that that's a big thing to keep in mind. John 1.14 says that when Jesus, um, when he came, that he was full of grace and truth. Now, I don't want to say more than what the scriptures are saying, but I find it absolutely intriguing that John could have put Jesus was full of truth and grace. 
but he didn't. Grace and truth. And it's like steps, grace and truth. And when I am engaged with someone growing in their uh, a new faith in Christ or a very mature believer, it doesn't matter where they are to remember that our first step is grace. Grace, receiving grace, receiving, giving grace, but grace is never alone. It is always and truth. And truth is who Jesus is and truth are what his words communicate. I think we can get too caught up in our own definition of what it means to, I'm going to use maybe a strong statement, we we define obedience. Or I think at the end of the day, what the Lord wants is he wants a heart that is open, soft, moldable like clay, clay in a potter's hand. He wants that soft so that he can speak and move and mold. He is not as rigid, I don't believe, as what we see him to be. And when you see God as being rigid, then you put rigid definitions and boundaries on yourself, oftentimes that are too difficult um, to even live up to yourself. So again, I keep going back to relationship and the heart of God and what he longs for us. He longs for us to be filled with joy and experience abundant life. And if we have to be careful. We don't become unduly rigid for ourselves or for others. I may have gotten us just a little off track, so I need you to get me back no, I on think track, that's really. I think that's really important. I think that reminds me of a pastor in Texas one time. I, I heard he was given a message, and he said, God's not after your begrudging obedience. He wants your heart. Yes. And if he has that, then the behavior, everything will follow if he's got that, mm-hmm. which I think that's kind of what I hear you saying is it's not, yeah, God's given us a way to live that is helpful for us and it blesses us and it leads to um, satisfaction, fulfillment, whatever. But really what he wants is our heart. Yes. And I think that is the grace piece is there is, um, it's the relationship that, even if on my worst days, I'm no less a child of God than on my best days. Yes. <laughs> and so I think that is a yeah, really important distinction to make. Um, and I think what's, I love that the whole grace and truth dynamic is really interesting. Because I think I read in a book that, you know, grace is the acceptance, the unconditional, like, hey, we're, we're still in this. You hurt me, but hey, we're still, we're still good but then truth kind of brings direction or like a path forward mm-hmm. in relationship, in life. And that that's kind of helped me think about it too, is, okay, this is really about, it's a process. I think God's more process-oriented than goal-oriented. Mm. <laughs> it's not about point A to point B mm-hmm. as much as like, are we getting there with him mm-hmm. from point A to point B? So yeah, I think the relationship is a really important piece as well. Could I read a passage, yeah. Ethan? Um, this is Romans 5, and it is, it is the um, heart in a very real way of what you're just, what, what we're talking about here. And it begins, um, Romans 5, 1, therefore, and Paul has been building to this, since we have been justified and made right um, through faith, we have peace 
with God <clears throat> through our Lord Jesus Christ. And peace there is shalom, the shalom peace of God, which, which in um, which another way you can translate that is wholeness, fragmented pieces brought together. Because by faith we've been justified, we have peace, wholeness with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, meaning through Jesus, we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And that can be translated, we stand in his favor, his favor. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And it goes on to talk about, we not only rejoice in those things that are difficult, but we go, it, there's a process that God is about. And I love at the end of verse five, it says, um, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So all this is even possible. It keeps bringing us back. We've been made right with him. We stand in his favor. And the overwhelming um, anointing or pouring out that enables us even to cooperate and even hunger to be obedient in the first place is because his love has been poured out in our hearts. We can't separate that grace with these truths that we're reading here. Yeah, yeah this is a very powerful passage. I mean, there's a lot in there. It's so good. Well, I would love, um, yeah, if you have any other thoughts that you'd really mm -hmm. just love to share with us, you're more than welcome to. I think I've worked through most of my questions. Do you have questions? Cool. Um, I do have a, a just a um, a story yeah. and um, and also just a reflection again on spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. um, that has become that discussion on spiritual disciplines has become heavy in in our day uh, right now. I imagine it may have been heavy a hundred or two hundred years ago as well. Um, but I think um, I would encourage people in a way that has been encouraging to me is to think about what are those um, particular disciplines that most open you up to the ways and the person of the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, instead of trying to be do good at everything, what are those things that increase your capacity, in a sense, to be with and to obey the Lord? For me, there are a couple of simple ones. Um, one is a practice of Sabbath, um, and that mostly has to do with um, the day of the week where I do not give myself to my work with the navigators, um, which um, I could go into more detail on that, but that's what Sabbath is. It's ceasing from our normal labors. doesn't mean I um, don't um, fix a nice meal for our family or something like that, but it does mean a ceasing from the, the labors that I am engaged with the other six days. Um, I think another thing is just consistent time alone early in the morning for me. I know everybody's not a morning person, but that changes everything for me. So the and then the third is a discipline of fasting from food. Mm -hmm. And I believe that um, God is I think it's 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 hard for me. Um, I'm not going to say it's easy, but I find it increases my hunger to be remind um, increases my the reminder that I'm more hungry for God than anything else. And fasting from food 
um, has an opportunity to grow that. So um, I'm not great at all the disciplines, but those three of consistent early morning, extended time with the Lord, Sabbath and fasting of food, um, for me have really ignited ongoing deepening in my walk with Him. B1 Make One is a production of The Navigators in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at navigators.org. 